0: You're listening to the Itch and Scratch podcast with all that's left after all that is silent hum. Written by Nathan Ellis.
1: My dad died in the spring. We weren't exactly close, which isn't a lie. I'm not just saying it because he's dead. You know how people say that? We weren't close, when actually they just mean that they hated their parents. Well, we actually just weren't close. He was fine, but we never really had that much in common, and I moved away. We were different, which is weird, but I guess it happens.
0: I came in, and she was white as a sheet. I said, what? Like that, like, what happened? And you know, your mind just goes straight to the worst, doesn't it? what who died like that and then she showed it to me and I remember my eyes were watering I looked at it too hard until it was in front of my eyes but I was sure it was just a blur just a white stick could be a pen or a tampon but no it was she was
1: I'd only meant to come back for a few days sort everything But then the solicitor, I guess he came to the house and he said, we've got this patch of land. It isn't in the will, but it belonged to your father, he said. I can put you in touch with someone to sell it, though. Do you want me to do that? Sell it? I didn't even know about it. It seems so not the sort of thing that he would have done. Patch of land. I can't even imagine the words coming out of his mouth. I thought maybe mum had bought it before she had died, but the guy said no, it was definitely him. Just last year, he said. The guy said it wasn't worth much, but he could find someone to buy it if I would want that. And I went down there, just to see it. And it isn't much, just this little space down the road, about 30 metres and square, behind a Londis. This sort of meadow, I guess? And in the middle there is... Well, I don't know what it is at first.
0: The cross comes into focus and she's crying. And then I'm crying and it's just sort of immediate, immediate happiness. We don't say anything, we just both agree that this is brilliant, that this is exactly what we wanted and that's that. We have dinner and I cook and we discuss names and how to tell my mum and that moment. And really, I genuinely think all the moments up to her coming are really happy. Obviously, there are shit bits, scary stuff always happens. Life, but basically, it was magic, those nine months. And you worry about all the stuff you worry about. Being a bad parent, money, or turning into people who hate each other, but basically, it's great. Obviously, it's harder for Anna, all the changes, but we try our best. We read books. They're shit. It's exciting.
1: There were loads of books in the house about them a big box under the bed, so I sort of figured it out. And I called the beekeeping association and they said they couldn't come and take it away, so I was sort of stuck. But they said they could send someone to help. So this beautiful sunny day and I'm sat there staring at the hive in the middle of the garden, waiting. And then this big bloke with a beard turns up big beard, like Santa, but for bees. But he's in a van, and he gets out of the van, and for some reason this really sticks in my mind. Enya is playing, and I thought that was really funny. He's this big bee bloke, and he has an Enya CD in his van. I hate Enya. Who plays Enya in their car? Anyway, there was a suit in a box under the stairs, and he tells me to put it on, and we'll get cracking. He doesn't put one on. Suggests that I should try going in without two. Bees are friendly. I try not to roll my eyes. So I've put the hood on and he zips it up for me and he's like, Muh. And I turn around and I say, What? And he says a bit louder, Looking good! And he puts his thumbs up. And then we walk over and he opens it up and there they are thousands
0: of them my hand aches i mean i know it's ridiculous me complaining but it it does i'm gonna have to ice it because fucking fuck imagine like the hardest handshake you've ever had then times that by a hundred and imagine it lasts for seven hours i kept trying to wiggle free for, for a second let the blood get back to my fingers she just wouldn't let go once she had me she was gone i tried to ask her to let go for a sec just just a sec babe says she's pushing a fuck watermelon out of her vagina so i could shut my stupid face we decided on daisy well anna decided a few days before daisy
1: He takes the frames out. To get into the boxes, you have to break them apart because they seal themselves in with this natural resin they take from the trees. He breaks them apart and takes one out. And they are really loud. Really, really, really loud. Like the loudest electric toothbrush you've ever heard. But they don't seem angry. It's not an angry hum. It's kind of more like they are just really aware of each other. Their buzzing is in order to communicate. That's what the guy said. They explain what they are doing to each other and the jobs they need to get done by buzzing and moving their bodies in a particular way. They just really carefully start colonising in the frames, working methodically, labouring, multiplying and building all the time, all together, humming at each other in the sunlight and flying back and forth. 20,000 of them. Queen and drones and workers all in their special place, ordered so carefully, and me watching. It's beautiful. And I try and follow their flight path. It goes out of the crack at the bottom of the hive and over the fence on the right into the field, and then they go in different directions, searching out plants to pollinate, searching for sugar, then returning. It's, well, it's pretty something. And Santa points out the queen with a little yellow dot on its head. It's huge. They paint it on depending when it was born and to make it more visible, he says. The yellow dot means it was hatched this year, he says. That dot was painted on at the beginning of the spring. The bee bloke wishes me good luck. Good luck. He puts his thumbs up again and he drives away to the sound of Enya.
0: standing over her crib at the bottom of the bed and Anna is asleep and it's dark. There's a mobile above her head shaped like the moon and the sun and the stars. It's beautiful. Anna bought it somewhere. It came in this beautiful little box. I look at it and then I look at her and I smile. She sleeps so diligently, like it's the only thing she can do, so she's going to make sure she's the best at it. And when she sleeps, she takes these tiny breaths into her lungs, the quietest, smallest lungs you can imagine. And that sound is like music. It's beautiful. I want to record it and pipe it through speakers so everyone can hear. It's the sound of safety and us being together in one warm room. It's the sound of my heart, so full of love and worry that it might just collapse in on itself. That sound is every hope I have. That little sound is all I care about from now on. That's what I think and I smile and look down. I really wish I'd recorded that sound.
1: I haven't really thought about the plan, keeping them or staying. I don't have to go back for work, so, well, I don't. It just sort of happens. I'm still not sure what Dad was doing with them, but... for now, I'm a beekeeper. And the first week is hard, but exciting. It's beautiful weather, so I spend almost all my time in the garden just watching them better out there. Occasionally one flies over to me and lands on my arm or in the net in front of my eyes and I just watch their bodies move. Me passively watching like they think I'm some big tree and them just hunting around. They aren't yellow, more sort of brown or black. The queen and the drones are black. And when I open up the frames, they are clumped together, sharp and harsh against the orange of the wax. A terrific black swarm.
0: I wonder what I must look like to her. Just a blur. A big blob. A tree. Dad.
1: When I go to bed at night that first week, I can barely sleep. My body is exhausted, but my brain is humming constantly. Worrying about the house and everything. It's weird. Living in someone else's house without them. I read the books, the bee books. There are loads of them and Dad has made these little notes in the margins in pen. Pointless stuff where he's read about the Romans keeping bees and decided to underline it.
0: It's so quiet at first, I I almost don't hear it. She was asleep.
1: I read them in my room at the back of the house. In the night, the moths and the flies come into the room through the crack in the window and swarm around the light bulb. I don't shut the window. The noise is soothing.
0: But then she wakes up.
1: When I wake up I'm covered in little red bites. The floor is littered with dying moths lightly flapping their wings.
0: I see that moment again. Her eyes flickering and her mouth opening into a wide gurgling scream.
1: I clean them up with the hoover. Some of them aren't quite dead but I don't want them there.
0: She cries for hours. She won't feed. Anna keeps trying. She won't. She's weak. And she just won't stop moaning.
1: I got outside that morning and the hive sounded different. Like I'd got sort of used to the sound. A sort of...
0: And the moaning is different. Higher.
1: But I could hear it. I'd spent days and days listening to it and then it was higher. I heard it straight away and angrier.
0: And we suddenly feel her head and she has a fever and her feet are freezing cold. The moaning is so, so, so. In the book. I'm terrible in a crisis, I sort of just panic. I once had my clothes stolen out of the changing room at a leisure centre while I was swimming and I just went back in the pool and kept swimming until it was closed. But I was really focused then really calm.
1: His handwriting in the margins but the beginning of spring he painted on that door.
0: When we spotted it, like underneath, inside it I was tearing up the floorboards and smacking on the walls but on the outside I knew I had to stay calm, for Anna. I just googled and then we got in the car.
1: In the book, no warning, nothing, nothing about it. It was an old book.
0: We drove her straight in. It was all over her skin. I don't know how we didn't see it. It was everywhere.
1: There's a dead bee on the path leading up to the hive, which isn't unusual, I guess.
0: And when the doctor was examining her, I held Anna's hand and I said it so calmly. She'll be fine. She'll be fine like that.
1: I kneel down and I pick it up between my fingers carefully. I look at it and its tiny wings are bent out of shape.
0: The smell of hospitals, that icy smell, is the smell of disinfectant and death. You don't see dead people that often, or blood, or sickness, not really. You see it in hospitals. While I was waiting to see the doctor, I saw a bloke on a trolley thing coughing blood into a bowl. It was filling up until the nurses had to get another one. What do you call those tubs?
1: My dad died in the house, on the bed. The sheets were still unmade when I got there afterwards. I put them on the hottest wash I could. Scolded the smell of him.
0: When does a body become a dead thing?
1: There are 23 of them on the ground by the hive. I straight away called the bee bloke and he asked why I'm worried. I say, they sound different. Different? Yeah, different, angrier. I think about humming to him, but I don't. And I found a few dead ones. Oh, he says. Oh.
0: I sort of expected we were being overcautious about it. I thought I'd get there, and they'd just laugh at me. New dad. But they don't. I run it through my head them laughing at me and slapping me on the back and telling me not to worry, telling me I was right to bring her in, to be sure, but there's nothing to worry about. But instead, they tap on her little chest and listen to her little heart and her tiny cough and they take her tiny blood through a tiny needle and then they admit her.
1: He says not to worry, but that he will come and have a look the next day. Save me worrying. Sure, it's nothing, just to be sure.
0: And I asked the doctor what they think. What do you think?
1: In the book, it didn't say anything at all about it.
0: What do you think I say like that?
1: The story of Aristeas all underlined.
0: Calm, focused, careful.
1: Bees can drown in a single drop of rain.
0: And she says the baby is very unwell.
1: If they get caught in a storm, they have to hide and to hope.
0: Very unwell, that's what she says.
1: It was an old book. It's a new phenomenon.
0: And then I'm not so calm.
1: Three quarters of all bees have been lost over the past century. Imagine a hundred years ago. Terrifying when you think about it. Four times as many bees. Almost too many bees, maybe, when you think about it.
0: I'm shaking.
1: That was a joke.
0: She says she thinks it's meningitis, which is very serious in babies. Apparently, it is a swelling in your brain, which in adults is serious, but in babies is life-threatening. The rash we saw was septicemia.
1: B. Santa comes back the next day. He looks at them and he says, yes, the colony seems to be falling in numbers, but can't see why. He says that, there are no mites and no obvious reasons why the bees would be dying. He tells me there are lots of reasons. I ask him to tell me about them. He tells me about them. The reduction of bees is because of flowerless landscapes, parasites, particularly varroa, commercial beekeeping and pesticides. Oh, and climate change, obviously. I look into his face. His cheeks are blotchy and discoloured. He keeps talking. He explains it's called Colony Collapse Disorder, which is where the bees just disappear due to stresses. They just, for some reason, decide to fly away. They leave the hive and don't come back. One day they're there, and next they're gone. We don't know why exactly. He mentions Marie Celeste. I don't smile because I'm not exactly sure what that is but he says that probably won't happen. Probably. Very unlikely. And that's when he tells me to stay calm, which is fucking ridiculous, because I am calm. I'm pissed off, but I'm calm. I ask him what to do. He says, wait, and then he smiles again.
0: We can't stay at the hospital. Anna can, but only one parent. So that first night, I have to leave the hospital and I'm exhausted, and I manage to sleep fitfully but I try I dream about being on a tube and I'm looking up from the bottom of the escalator it's a really big escalator and I'm surrounded by people but I'm standing still just standing as everyone goes past all these people all these faceless figures walking around in bright light it's warm and the warm air flows down and hits my face. And I see a tiny little pink sock on the ground at the bottom of the escalator, and I hear this screaming, this baby crying at the top of the escalator. And the escalator is only going down, and people keep stepping off it over the sock.
1: Bees aren't important. Of course they aren't but bees pollinate flowers and flowers produce fruit and vegetables and everything that we eat. If the bees go extinct, half our food won't get produced, half. In Southern China, they have stopped planting apples because the bees are all gone. So it's not just bees, it's everything, everyone. Crops failing, billions more people dying.
0: And then I realize, I can't move. I'm shouting at everyone around me. Why aren't you helping? Can't you hear the baby screaming? Can't you hear the baby crying at the top of the escalator?
1: Why aren't any of you fucking
0: helping her?
1: I can't sleep. I can't eat. It's so warm all the time. I walk into town. A man is walking down the street and he's holding flowers and it makes me feel sick right in my stomach. It's just bees. I know it sounds stupid, but I don't understand how everyone is walking around with flowers in their hands. I read about it, all the ways we can't help, all the ways we're failing, people dying of starvation alone in fresh white sheets. But
0: I can't move. My feet won't move and and I'm shouting and I'm shouting and I'm shouting the most important thing in the world in my life and she's screaming back at me, calling for me. I'm sure of it, but I'm stuck.
1: I asked the solicitor about the beehive. He says dad never mentioned it, but that he gave him a pot of honey when he signed the will to say thank you. The solicitor says he's not gotten around to trying it yet. That he's still in his cupboard, unopened.
0: In the hospital, the doctors crowd around her. They put needles in her arms. Tubes up her nose, drugs pour through her blood and her heart. Working methodically, instruments beep and hum angrily, and I look down at her. So tiny, eyelids fluttering. Nothing outside this room matters.
1: I spray pesticides on the bees. I mix water and sugar and feed it to them through a little tube. I buy bee-friendly flowers and plant them, hundreds of them, a million, until my hands ache. I can't breathe. I sit outside in the dark with a wind-up torch, and I listen to the bees in my white hood.
0: Nothing outside this room matters.
1: I sit outside in the dark with a wind-up torch, and I listen to the bees in my white hood. I wait.
0: And I can't do a thing. We can't do a thing. This gulf between me and Anna and the little baby in the transparent cot covered in angry red sores and floppy and crying.
1: I think about killing the man with the beard. I dream about him being stung by them until he suffocates.
0: I imagine putting a gun to the doctor's head ordering her to fix it.
1: I dream of him being stung by the bees until he goes into shock and dies.
0: Anything, anything, anything.
1: A sacrifice.
0: And my hands ache and the escalators clatter on, the pink socks slowly getting unpicked, getting clawed into the teeth of the machine.
1: Death is everywhere. 74 at the base of the hive.
0: My hands are white at the knuckles.
1: 125. A black mass. Wings all bent out of shape.
0: And, well, then... And then... And, well...
1: The colony collapses. By the time I wake up, they've all disappeared.
0: Her fever breaks by the next morning. The doctors tell us we can see her, says she's been very lucky, that's how she says it, very lucky.
1: It's the hottest day of the year, the hive is empty, too many stresses.
0: They do tests and they say they can't confirm it but cognitive functioning is normal.
1: They just leave them, the little grubs left maturing in their cells will hatch and then die. Complete silence.
0: There is slight hearing loss in the left ear, they say. But that's it. Slight hearing loss. Well, we've got quite a lot of loud love, so we're not too worried. Anna says that. It sounds brilliant.
1: I pack everything up into boxes in the house. I find a box of CDs. Apparently Dad liked Enya too. There are three of them. And I sell all of it. I ask the solicitor to arrange for everything to be sold. He asks what happened to the bees. I say they died. He says he's very sorry. I pack a bag that night and I leave.
0: We take her home a few days later. Anna and I don't have the energy to try to find a way to blame anyone. We send a card thanking the doctor's flowers to a smiley nurse, they do amazing work, it's life-saving, we send a donation to a charity helping meningitis awareness, we take it for further tests on her hearing, she never leaves our sight, I turn into an anxious monster, our life returns.
1: I go back to my life, loss affects people strangely I guess. But I just think, maybe, why didn't he warn me?
0: The doctor was right. We are so lucky.
1: Santa calls, and he says it wasn't my fault. And I say, I know, and then I hang up. I get a nosebleed on the bus.
0: She's perfect. And she's made it through so much.
1: He must have known. On my own, no warning.
0: Obviously, life's hard, but... You know, she's our inspiration, really.
1: Such an irresponsible thing to do.
0: The scariest thing in the world. The idea of your child in danger. But the dream. I don't have the dream hardly ever anymore.
1: When the papers come through the post from the solicitor confirming everything, I sign for them. The postman knocks at the door. He has one of his headphones in. He asks me to sign. He's holding a package and he asks me to sign and then I sign and then he puts his thumbs up.
0: Thank God, really.
1: And I take the box inside.
0: Now we can move on. I open it. Cloudless sky.
1: The windows are open. The light comes in.
0: You've been listening to All That's Left After All That is The Silent Hum, written by Nathan Ellis and directed by Vibka Green. It was performed by Holly Rose Horgood and Abe Bacoke.